if you really love the Lord, give him the praise and the glory and the honor. Amen. Amen. Welcome to First Fruit Season. Uh, would you come into agreement with, with your brother, your sister, who's next to you? And in your prayer, I want you to believe for yourself and for, your, for those whose hands you hold that God will answer this powerful principle that he's been teaching the body of Christ essentially over the last 10 years. God is so good, amen? amen? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can come and we can gather without being harassed, without being molested, that we can gather in your name and worship you. While we have this freedom, we do so. We choose not to neglect the assembly of ourselves together, which has become the habit of some. And we do ask you, Heavenly Father, because we've made this effort to do so. In our hearts, we desire to hear from you in a way that it opens our understanding, ignites our hearts to obey, and brings forth the mighty praise from your people. Would you be so kind, Heavenly Father, to speak to each person whose heart is open? Thank you for answering tough questions. Thank you for giving us direction, knowing what to do. We praise you in this season. You are the mighty God. We trust in you and no other. We give you all praise and all glory belongs to you. And if you believe that, clap your hands together and give him again one more time. All the praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. As we consider this season of first fruits, I am inclined to tell you a story. So if you can take a story this morning, can you take a story this morning? So I want to tell you a story. You'll find the story in the book of Joshua. The Bible is so amazing, it's so full of pictures, so full of life in a way that we can understand, so full of stories that God can speak to us from. So the, if I could set the story up, I would tell you that this people that the scripture is speaking of they have all been walking in the desert for 40 years. You know, in it, it, it 40 years, you could kind of get sort of 
adjusted to your situation, no matter what it was. One of the problems with us, we humans, is we have the ability to adjust to, adjust to almost anything. So for 40 years, they're walking in the desert, and now God is saying, enough of this. Those that would have kept you from doing my will have already died. I want to say this in a way, I'd be careful how I say it, but there are some of you that were not free to do what God really wants until those around you had been removed. And for many folks to do the will of God, it, part of it takes divine intervention of God separating you from those who would keep you from obeying God. God sovereignly did that for Israel. So these sons and daughters, they are different than their parents, at least in their lifestyle. They, um, they're regimented. They know how to follow in order. This generation was a lot less opinionated than the parents who came before them. Since I don't have many agreements of amens, I'm going to assume that you may not know this story as well as I'd like you to. But here they are, and it's their moment, because God said, what I always promised you, I'm going to bring you into that. Because we're celebrating first fruits, I want to illustrate this principle of first fruits with a story that I believe can help you understand it. I want to tell you a story inside of a story. Is that okay? So, come with me. And go with me to Joshua chapter 2. Because in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua, who is now the leader, the successor of Moses... The whole nation is following him. But this nation is about 40 years younger than he. Because all of their parents are past. But Joshua and Caleb, who were faithful to the Lord, God kept them alive. And God made Joshua the successor of Moses. So now his voice, his direction, is what the people are following. Before them lies the land that God promised them. They already had a taste of what that land was going to be like. The first time, 40 years ago, when they sent spies into that land, they brought back fruit that blew, would blow your mind. Can you imagine one grape this size? Kind of make you want to put your whole face in it, right? They knew it was a good land. They knew it was bearing tremendous fruit. But there was a problem in that land was a people that knew nothing about God and frankly hated everybody else. So Joshua's trying to figure out, how are we going to, how are we going to, how are we going to take this land? And, and, and the Lord begins to speak to Joshua and tell him what to do. And then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men, not 12. First time Moses sent 12 spies. And when those 12 came back, 10 of them said, I don't know. We ain't going in there. Have you seen how big they are? Have you seen how big they are? 
and their negative spread throughout the camp until the people, it disheartened them. Their courage drained out and they, they said, no, we are not going in there. A whole generation passes. God removes them off the scene. Tap your neighbor and say, obey God so you can play the scene that God wants you to play, amen. Here we are 40 years later, and Joshua is smarter. How many of you have learned from your past experiences some things not to do? So Joshua sends in not 12, he sends in how many? Two. Here's what he said. Go view the land, especially, say especially, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab. I think it's kind of important that you that the Bible has these details. There's about the reason of all the people that Joshua's two spies are going to run into. The first two, or the first, is this woman, pretty woman, yeah, walking by. It's a pretty woman, pretty woman. You know the song, don't you? They made a movie about it. Uh, I think it was Julia Roberts and Richard Greer. Am I right? He met this pretty woman, right? And they, they kind of glorified prostitution. Oh, yeah, they did. They did. You know, they made the prostitute the, 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 the heroine of the, of the movie, didn't they? Oh, Jesus, amen. Now, some of the saints kind of took that up. Anyway, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, they, they, they run into, into this woman, and she's a harlot. I think the Bible is really clear. There's no way to interpret something different from the word harlot. That the way you can repronounce it in this day, we, we, we would say, isn't it amazing? Everybody said the same thing, the same thing. And no translation problem, man. Ooh. So we still there? So check it out. He met this woman. Her name was Rahab. And, and check it out. This was a smart move because if you come from, a, 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 if you come from the, the attacking tribe and you're now scoping out the city you're going to attack, where would you sleep? Where would you go? So they stayed in the dwelling of Rahab. Now the riffraff hung out at Rahab's house. Discreet folk hung out at Rahab's house. If you want to have a good time, good time, you go to Rahab's house. Because I promise you, at Rahab's house, they got meat and drink. More drink than meat, but I promise you, you have a good time. Well, they do have meat, but it's a different kind. But anyway, they, they, you go to Rahab's house. You go to, Reh you go to Rahab's house, and you, you know, you, you, yeah. I'm curious, has anybody here ever been to, don't raise your hand, Rahab's house? Man, it's so amazing how the Lord would choose his story. You should, you should look into her life. First of all, she, she has a family. 
her father is obviously still alive. Didn't say anything about her mom. We could do a little diverting there and say maybe one of the reasons why Rahab was the way she was is because I don't see a mom on the scene. It takes both mom and dad to make sure that your child is not Rahab. She had brothers, she had sisters. And as tradition goes, household in those days, really, first of all, it included everybody who was the same blood, but it also included everybody who was employed or who worked in that family. Now, Rahab had a thing going, you know, she had a pub, if you were, and as tradition is actually, that's what it's called, a pub, the pub actually was a place where you go get drink and go get meat, both kinds. Amen. Are you there? No, really. A pub. You got it? No, 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 really. Look, you can look this up. I'm, I'm not stretching the truth. And so if, you, if you're going to hang out, you go to Rahab's house. Now, Rahab lived in Jericho. Have you got that simple drawing of Jericho? And Jericho was like, it was the biggest, baddest city of the whole land. I'm sorry, that's just a small rendition, and I'm, uh, it's just an artist rendition, but it, it, had, it, it actually had two walls. It had one wall that had all the outer, the lower income people, and then the higher income people were behind the second wall. So if the higher income people wanted to party, they had to come down and go down to the second level. Hello, somebody. And Rahab, she... Uh, you know, she had a good business. I remember in this nation when they started, when they decided they were going to legalize prostitution. I'm sorry, some of you may not be that mature I mean, in age, but yeah, they actually passed some laws that made prostitution in some states a legal profession. I'm sorry, some of y'all out there, some of you former, God bless you, hallelujah. You know, and in America, in America, you know, it is, uh, you know how it is. If you, if, you, if you get taken off the street, you go to, the, to, to jail for the night, they let you out the next day, right? Well, you know, your John come and pay the fine and you go home the next day, right? I'm sorry, am I talking to the right people? Some of y'all are not that far removed. Tap said, you're not that far removed from your past. If I believe that God is involved in all of it, then God had to be involved in guiding those two spies, only two of them, to this specific place they needed to go. So look at me in the story, and, and uh, maybe we can have a, a clearer understanding. So the king had spies everywhere because the city was on alert already because, you know, Israel, the people of God, were in the vicinity. You know what? I believe before this decade is out, we're going to have this kind of situation where those who are of the world are going to know something about the people of God. They were on the outskirts and they heard about what happened to them before. And they'd come in their region and so they, the city was on red, on alert. So the king, spies, obviously got to him. He said, Bring, tell Rab I said. It's amazing that he knew who she was. <laughs> it's real amazing, ain't it? 
tell her to bring the spies out that went into her house. By the way, I think we could say something about these two spies. I'm sure they were trying to look like everybody else, but something about the people of God that, you know, I'm not talking about dress, but something about the people of God, even when they go into an adverse situation, they kind of know you're not quite. Hello, somebody. Can I get an amen to that? Some of y'all got some frustrated one day and tried to go back to your old life, and they still knew who you were. For all you all that went back to the bar to get drunk again because God didn't come through for you the way he wanted you to, even the bartender know that you don't really belong there. Because the minute you get drunk, you start preaching. You need, you need to know God. Some of y'all went back to the house, you went back to the house, and, and, and you, 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 you bought a new blunt. Now your eyes are red and you're looking around, talking about, I need some cookies. And they know you don't belong there. So the king said, tell Rahab to bring them spies out that are in her house. Send some men to get the spies, am I right? They went in to, to Rahab's house. They had loaded. I mean, they are armed. They're ready. They said, where are the spies? She said, well, they did come. Now, you know, if you are in the, in the, in the, if you're in the profession that she's in, how many of you know people in that profession know how to talk? She said, they came here. They came here, but, uh, but, 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 but you know what? As soon as it started getting dark, they went their way. Are you all there? Can you imagine how the two spies felt when the armed guards came into the pub? They're totally unprepared for this. And they're listening to every word she says. She said to them, uh, yes, uh, uh, they did come. A man came to me, but I, I, I don't know where they went. I don't know where they came from. Came time to shut the doors and they left. In fact, you need to hurry up and go find them. <laughs> In fact, go quickly. You can catch up with them. It ain't been that long since they left. The Bible says in verse 6, she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the flax lays long ways, and she laid them long ways and laid the flax so you couldn't tell. If you're in that profession, you know how to hide stuff. Are the people still alive today? And the Bible says, so the men left the house pursuing the two spies. Now, before it was time for them to go to sleep, Rahab said, I want y'all to understand something. And of course, if you have done what she's done, and by the way, she's considered one of the five most beautiful women in the Bible. So she had it going on. I guess in today's standard, what'd they call that? What would they call that? She was, yeah, that's old school, fine, yeah. What was she? Who? Banging? Did she say banging? Okay, yeah. What was she? What else was she? I mean, she, she had junk in the... 
think it's amazing that God would choose this woman of this profession. Tap your neighbor and say, God does not see what we see. Amen. So the Bible says, hiding them before they went to sleep, listen to what she said. I know the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you all has fallen on us and all the inhabitants of the land have melted before you. We heard what God did when he dried up the water of the Red Sea, when he brought y'all out of Egypt. We heard about it. And, and we know what God did to the kings of the, of the Amorites and what he did to the kings of uh, uh, to, uh, beyond the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly, utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of y'all. Look at your neighbor and say, wouldn't you like for God to give you the kind of rep that when you showed up, everybody is trembling? Kind of an amazing thing. So she said, I know who you are, Lord. I often ask myself a question, how would she know that? She's not a church goer. There wasn't no internet. Wasn't no Facebook. Wasn't no Instagram. Nobody was doing no tweeting. But I promise you, they had an information pipeline. And she knew that God, what God had done for that people. And I'm asking the Lord this because I believe it involves Metro as well as the church in general. I want God to show up for your life and for our lives in such a way that those outside, they know that God has done something with us. I want God to show up in your life in a way that they all know how you were and now how you are and the difference is God. So those people whom she was talking about said our hearts, she said our hearts melted. Now I got to tell you something about Jericho. Because Jericho was, I said, the first city of conquest. No other city in all of the land that God promised them was as powerful as Jericho, as pervasive, as influential, as rich, and as fortified. God put the biggest, baddest battle in front of them in the first, at the first. So Joshua is thinking as the commander, he's thinking, Lord, I got to have, I got to have your help on this one. So listen to what, what Jericho did to ensure his victory. I'm asking you to think about this, about whatever victory you need God to show up in your life. Whatever thing that's really standing in front of you that you need God to move, change, transform. Because what you do with that huge, that great victory is going to actually set you up for so many other victories. 
Joshua, I need to have you switch real quick to the sixth chapter because we're not given this information at the front when you see God approaching Joshua in chapter one when he tells Joshua, look, here's how you're going to be successful. Here's how I'm going to be with you. Here's what I want you to do. Meditate on my word day and night. Ruminate on it. He said, when you do this, you're going to have good success. So check it out. You don't hear anything. I looked and searched. I couldn't find it. If any of you Bible scholars find this to be untrue, would you please correct the bishop? I will receive it gladly. But I'm telling you, I didn't find anything. But this one little passage right here. In chapter 6 of Joshua, he says this. This is what Joshua says out of his mouth. It doesn't even say God said. This is what messed me up. It's not something that the Lord pronounced from the mountain, like the Ten Commandments. No, Joshua makes this declaration. Check what he says, chapter 6, verse 17. The city shall be under the ban, and all that is in it belongs to the Lord. But as for you, talking to the people, only keep yourselves from the things under the ban. <coughs> so that you do not covet them and take some of them, some of the things under the ban. Do you see that? Really interesting phrase. And, and make the camp of Israel accursed and bring trouble on it. All the silver, all the gold, and the articles of bronze and the iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. Now that's Joshua's words. And it's his words to all the captains and all, and all of the ranks of leaders and to all the people. He, Joshua now is speaking as the one person responsible to echo the direction, and to echo the voice of God. But in his proclamation, Joshua is not mimicking the voice he heard. I asked myself, Lord, Joshua, how are you going to put the whole city under the ban? By the way, the word under the ban, another way to translate it is destined for destruction. Really powerful. If, if, you, if you want to do a powerful study, look up in the Old Testament, put in your, in, your, in your search box, under the ban or destined for destruction. It will blow your mind. How did you get that, Joshua? Where did you come to the place where you would say that this whole city is cursed for anybody who takes anything? But look, saints, we already know that in war, when you take a city, hey, it's Ali Ali oxen free. When you take a city and you have to fight and kill folk in the Old Testament, it's it, you know, if you you go, it's called plunder. Anything you find, you know, I I, I was a movie, I can't call it right now, it'll come up in a minute. What you kill, you keep. 
I can't call the name of it, but it'll come up. But the, but the point is, in the Old Testament, when you took a city, hey, anything you found was now yours. Land was yours, anything you found. But Joshua makes a different statement over Jericho, and it's the first city. He said, look at your name, it's the first city. Where did you get that from, Joshua? Where did you get this whole thing about putting something under the ban? Well, believe it or not, Joshua, who's at least in his 80s, he remembers when they were slaves and they were coming out of, before they came out of Egypt, before they came out, God spoke to them. And he said to him, he said, look, when you come into the land, tap your neighbor said, the first Tell your neighbor, the first and the best belong to me. Tap them one more time. The first and the best belong to me. One more time. Tap the, the very first and the very best belongs to me. Man, I wish we would know that about marriage today. I wish we, I wish we had that understanding that the very first one you married should be the last one you married and should be the best one you marry. Amen. That, that some of you uh, men need to put your wife under the ban. Amen. Make her the first and the best. It's a way of saying, <clears throat> thank you, sir. I'm dedicating this to you. Nobody has any rights to this. Nobody can plunder this. Nobody can destroy this. If anybody touches this, a curse will come on them. And by the way, if you look in the scripture, you see what happens if a man commits adultery, why, what kind of curse comes on his life? And the reason why that is because covenantally, that, that, that marriage is under the ban. That marriage is very special. It's dedicated, in other words, dedicated to the Lord. That's another phrase. Dedicated to the Lord. Say it, dedicated to the Lord. Tap your neighbor again and say the first. And the best belongs to God. So before Joshua came out of the land, God was very specific in Deuteronomy. The Lord spelled out, I want the first kid out the womb. I want the first animal out of the womb. I want the first of the crops. Any, anything that your hand produces, I want the first and I want the best. This was not a tithe. A tithe would be a 10% of what you've already earned. And it has a powerful place in your personal economy. And for those of you who have not learned that, you, you, you undoubtedly are under strain and, and you're under pressure. If, if, not, if you have enough money to meet all your obligations, then the pressure and the strain is trying to keep what you got. Because that, that income and that way of income has not been dedicated to the Lord. And the Lord said, I tell you what, if you want my hand on it for tithing, then what you do, you take the first 10% and surrender to me. It's not just 10%, it's the first 10%. Tap your neighbor and say, it's the first 10th. It's the first 10th. Find somebody else say, it's not only a tenth. It's the first tenth. And the reason why God is so emphatic about that, because he said, I want you to remember 
while you were slaves and you had nothing. And I delivered you and brought you out. And I did so and I claim you as my own. God always delivers what belongs to him. Tap your neighbor and say, God delivers what belongs to him. And if you thought I can't get deliverance, when well, they got to ask yourself, what is it about you that doesn't belong to God? 10% is 10%. But this thing, first fruits, oh Lord, that's a different ball game. While tithe is the first tenth, this first fruit is a whole different category. So God said, when you come into the land, I want to make, I want you, I want to be perfectly clear. The first baby she had, that baby belonged to me. I want, I want you to be clear. You know that bull you got? When, when that bull procreates and, 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 and the first child out of the womb of that animal, guess what? I want that child. Write it down. That first bull is destined to destruction. Wow. Let me explain that if I could. If it's destined to destruction, it means no one else has the right to partake of it. Uh, let me put it to you this way about under the ban, which means destined for destruction. In a tithe, when the first tithe that belongs to the Lord is given to the Lord, it becomes praise to God, but for you to consume it, it becomes poison for you. Are y'all breathing? Yeah. Yeah. If, if, you, if you eat that first 10%, it ain't, tap your neck and say, not going to help you, baby. Not going to help you. You're in trouble. And God has had to teach his people, and it seems to me that even these days, the Lord is teaching the body of Christ the first principle, the first principle of increase, the first principle of, of sustenance is tithing. And by the way, you can't give a first fruit if you're not a tither. I'll, I'll cover that later, but I do want you to understand what this under the band stuff is, because God said, if you, if you if you don't give me that bull, it's not it's not a threat in the way like God got to have your bull to survive. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? That's not what it, that's not that's not it at all. But by the way, usually the commandments of prohibition is so God can get something to you. All the thou shalt not is so you can have the thou shalt. The reason why thou shalt not curse your mom and your daddy because if you do, they're going to come scunning up against your head. Scunning, I'm sorry. That's not the, that, that doesn't work. I need another word. If you curse your mom and daddy, you have asked Satan to open up for you the most vile and dis dis despicable and corrupted life. How did I get over here? I don't know how I got over here. Uh, we, we can top that later. Look, when God says thou shalt, if God's telling you what, don't do that, it's because he's trying to keep you from a curse and give you a blessing. Tap your neighbor and say, that's the kind of God I want to know. <laughs> God says to you, don't you dare commit adultery. You'll destroy your own soul. 
Is anybody listening to what I'm saying? So we got a lot of brothers whose souls are being corrupted and destroyed because they haven't repented and stopped committing adultery. If you want to go back to the Old Testament and pull up the Old Testament and look at the, the thou shalt and thou shalt nots, I promise you, you can just take the, take the ten and superimpose them over the, the newspaper, um, the, the, the weekly news of the, the Atlanta Constitution, and you will see the reason. I'll, I'll talk to you more about this because I, the God wants the opposite. The God wants the opposite for you. Not, not only does he want you to be with a faithful woman and a faithful family, he wants to give you all the blessings that come with a faithful house. You know why? As a people, that, that, that as a people, so many of the poor are repeating the same thing because they don't get to step into the wealth. And there is no wealth to pass down to the next generation because there's no mom and dad together that love God for there to be any wealth to pass down. Quit acting like God is stupid. He knows exactly what it takes for you to prosper and to evolve and to come into everything that he wants. But you got to keep his law. When Joshua says, uh, this city's under the ban, because he knew what happened. He said, before you, here's the way it's, it's stated in Deuteronomy. When you come into the land, the first is mine. He remembered. So Joshua, who wants to see all of the land in conquest, decides the big, the big, the big kahuna, the, 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 the big tamale, the first one. The, the, say it again. Thank you. I was trying to find it, but I couldn't find it. The, the first enchilada, amen, is what I was trying to say. She cooks good, too, by the way. <laughs> the, 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 the first thing, he said, God says, honor me, honor me with it. And watch and see what I do. First fruits, first things are really powerful to God. Some of us have not understood it, so we just thank God and go on and just don't understand what opportunity God gave us or maybe gave you when he gave you that first job, that first paycheck, that first breakthrough. You, the rest of the children suffered because you didn't, you didn't dedicate at least the first one that came. So Joshua, he says, he tells all the people, this city, Jericho, it's the biggest, it's the baddest, the richest. But let I tell you what, don't take nothing. Thank you. Not now. If, if you were living in the hood, not a D thing. Like darn, amen. Don't take a coin, nickel, penny, dime, nothing. Every, and then he gets real specific. All the gold, all the silver, all of that. You know what we're going to do with that? Now, we're not going to let that waste. We're going to put that in the house of the Lord. What? Not in your pocket, in the house of the Lord. 
So when Joshua makes those proclamations about Jericho, it's a big deal. Somebody was arguing the other day. One, one, a preacher, a preacher. Can you imagine a preacher arguing with me? Uh, Reva, Reva, Daka, uh, that, uh, that, that, you know, that's, that, you know, that, that's a tithe. A tithe? Okay, okay. Let's suppose Jericho is a tithe. That means there are only 10 cities left to conquer. Really? Really? Because a tithe is a tenth. I'd like to declare to you that what Achan did in this battle had nothing to do with tithes. You may have never heard it that way. Go back to the scripture and read it yourself. But it was so, it was so cursed and blessed when Joshua said, this city belongs to God. Now God said, when you go in that city, I want you to kill everything. Everything. Look at your name. Said, God said, kill everything. 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 Everything that breath is in it, kill it. So I, I know that is a problem for some of you that are, are peace lovers and pacifists. I understand it's a problem for you, but just let me tell you that there are some cities that go so far in sin until for them to remain, it would, it would, it would, it would contaminate everything else around them. But that's a, that's a, that's a discussion of a different order. But, but just understand that, that uh, I, I wish it were not so, but there are some that can go so far I, I, I pray, Lord, let them repent before they go because they're going. And some of you have been victims of that. Sin that's gone so far. Men that have no conscience. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. But for the grace and the mercy of God, there's some things that have to be shut off. You know, just like disease, sin is worse than disease. But there's some disease you've got to burn that boy. I ain't nothing else can take care of. You got to burn it. Wow. So here they are. The people are ready to go to war. Rahab says, "Look, y'all. Look, she's in the city. The first fruit of conquest of the land." And, and, and she, she has this knowledge of God. However she got it, I don't know how she got it. I do know that there are men and women who are around you who act like the devil, but they know about God. They heard about what he did. They know somebody in their family. They've seen certain things. They know that's real. This woman as vile as she would have been, as vile as she was, and some interpret her name, her very name to me, wide open. Yeah. Some interpret her name, brothel keeper. The Bible wants you to know she's all the way there. So in the realm of morality, she ain't making it through the pearly gates. Are you all breathing, saints? And by the grace of God, if it wasn't for the grace of God, some of y'all wouldn't be walking through the pearly gates. Man, I know I wouldn't. Not based on morality. Can I get a better amen than that? 
And, but this woman, she says, I, 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 she says, I know I heard about you guys. I heard about you all. And, and, and she said, look, look, look. They're all laying in the flax when they heard her say, they gone on down the road. Y'all to go, go catch them. Before they go to sleep, she turns to them. And she speaks to them. She says in verse 12, now, please, therefore, swear to me by the Lord. Ain't that a trip? She says, swear to me by the Lord. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? My God. She says, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also deal kindly with, with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them. <coughs> and deliver our lives from death. Swear to me. Oh, check the next statement out. This is really awesome. So the men said to her, our life for your life, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Are you all there? When you think about Rahab and her profession, her family situation, the way she made her living, then you'd have to condemn her if you're just using some moral code. But her act of kindness and her act of generosity was a demonstration of her faith I said, I heard about your God. I know what he's doing. I know this city is toast. And by the way, I'm speaking to anybody of you sitting out here who you live in a city or in a family or in a community or in a situation or in a job. You know that thing is about to be destroyed. And you have to make a decision. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? She's looking out for herself and her family. She says to them, please, deal kindly with us. Are you there, saints? Please swear to me by the Lord, since I've dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household. Deliver our lives from death. Now, I, I hate to say it, but it's true. For some people, they don't get deliverance until it comes to the point of death. Some people have to be in a, you about to die situation. And it, it may be that you might be there. I know one, two or three Sundays ago, there was a woman in our company who really contemplated, she's in so much pain. She didn't want to live another day in that pain. She was contemplating taking her life. But it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit spoke and, and she, she caught a glimpse of what was said and she caught hope. For everybody here today, if you're gonna line yourself up morally, and somebody was going to weigh your life, good or bad, and you find yourself wanting, 
I want to remind you that God, God had his eye on Rahab. And God speaks to her and, and causes her. Whatever happened to her inside, well, she knew, I, I don't need to turn these guys in. Excuse me, I'm sorry, did I read that right? She lied for them, didn't she? It might make us relook at how we define our morality. She sent them on down the road and, and, and told them, said, look, now you need to stay overnight and, and, and uh, I, I'm going to put you up overnight, you know, and I'm going to make sure you get out of here safely. But I want you to promise me something. I'm, 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 I'm raising this because I want you to know that God hears you when you're desperate and you need him to do something. And so it is, the Bible says, on that next day, they arose and, and when she said, swear by the Lord, they said to her, I tell you what, may our lives be taken if we break this oath. God's people were willing to put their own life on the line to keep their own word. So when this city and this city is going to fall, when it falls, you and everybody in your house is going to be saved. When the destruction from heaven comes down on this city, everything is going to fall to pieces. But in this place right here, and everybody that's up in here is going to be safe. You know, that kind of sounds like when God delivered Israel. Don't that kind of sound like that? When the Lord said, you got to remain in the house in order to be saved. And, and, and the blood's got to be put on the door. And the blood's got to be put on the doorpost. And everybody who's inside of there, everybody's depending not on the morality, but depending on their faith in the blood, I will pass over that house and nobody, no life will be touched. Now, unfortunately, in this day that we live, we have not understood this as we need to because there are men and women who are outside the house of God. When I say the house of God, I'm not talking about this edifice. I'm talking about in relationship with the body of Christ. Tap your neighbor and say, the only way you can be saved, you got to be in the house. I'm sorry. Tap on them and say, the only way you can be saved, you got to be in the house under the blood. So Joshua said, here's what we're going to do. You tie, can you, you got that picture? You tie this red cord on your window. So when we come back, and we, do, we are coming back, and destruction is all around you, and things are falling apart, we're going to see this red hanging out your door, out your window. Are you all breathing? See, I, I think many people have not understood the significance of the story because the only thing that will save you is the blood. Tell you, tell you what I said. The only thing that will save you is the blood. What are you talking about the blood? If you did not believe in the sacrifice of God for your life and your sins, you're outside the house. But if you believe that when Jesus Christ poured out his life for you, if you believe that all of your whoredom, all of your sin, all of your negativity, all of it, God. He said, I choose not to see it. The way one becomes pure is not by going to church. Tap your neighbor and say that. He's talking to you right now. 
the way that one becomes saved is not by just what comes out of your mouth. You have to believe in your heart that when Jesus gave his life, he did it for you. And he knew your whoredom. He knew you was whoring. He knew. He saw you when you got up last night. He saw you in, in degradation. He saw you in negativity. He saw you in the propensity, the bent inside of a, a man's spirit to do the very thing he knows he ought not to do. He saw that thing in your life. He knows that there's something that works in human flesh and wants to destroy itself. He knows it. And yet he shows up in the most magnificent way. Said the whole city is gone. The whole city is over. Hey, Ken, put that little diagram up, that YouTube diagram up for me. Hey, he, said, he said, the whole city, I'm going to tear the whole city up. I'm going to tear the whole city up. When you go to Israel and you, you can look at this, there's a portion, one portion of the wall that did not come down. Because Rahab's house was on that portion. I said Rahab's house was on that portion of the gate that came down. But that one portion, God said, don't touch that. It was a beautiful city. It was fortified, shut up. The Bible says it was shut up tight. She's in the middle of it. But God's promises go past man's bombardment. God's promises go past men's confinement. God's grace is greater than your sin last night, the night before or last year. When God loves you and he wants you to get out, he'll always offer you a way out. But that way out is always about his blood. It's always about his blood. What he sacrificed, what he did for you. Are you all breathing? And when they shouted together and broke, and, and, and broke those pictures, those walls literally crumbled down. Are you there, saints? Okay, so let's end the story. So here it is. <laughs> Can you imagine the chaos? People running crazy, hollering, screaming. Ain't nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. You run over here, the brick fall on your head. You get under the, under the table, well, the bricks fall on top of the table. It's not you trapped. You know, you, 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 you. You run, try to give your little secret hiding place. Man, that thing is crumbling. It's so much devastation, and to the people are so afraid of what's going on around them. The Bible says Israel said, go straight ahead. I've been marching around the city seven times. When I say shout, shout. And what do you say? The Lord has given us the city. In fact, I want you to say that right now real loud. Say it, say it. The Lord has given us the city. Not this time when you say it. I want you to say it about your own personal city that needs to be conquered, okay? Say it again. Come on. The Lord has given me the, the city. Amen. And, and when you think about Atlanta, Georgia, Lord have mercy. There are other congregations that are in this like I'm in this. And I want you to make a declaration to the heavens right now. Stand on your feet. And I want you to shout to the, to the heavens. Say it. The Lord has given us this city. One more time. Now shout and clap your hands and give him praise. Hallelujah. Father, I'm declaring, I'm declaring in the name of Jesus 
family unfaithfulness is crumbling down in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare that drugs and illegal use is crumbling down in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare in the name of Christ that healing has come to the sick in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare that the destruction of black families is over in the name of Jesus. Lord, I declare that the division between blacks and whites is over in the name of Jesus Christ. Begin to shout and give God praise. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it, Lord. I believe it. As you're standing, I want to give this last portion and tell you that when the victory, which is so immense and complete, those who were lined up around the city quit walking in file and turned and went straight ahead. Everything in front of them, they killed it. They conquered it. They destroyed it. There are some things in your life that God requires you to put the sword to and kill absolutely and completely. There's some pathways back to old life that need to be killed and destroyed and tore up completely. There are some things that will cause you to be in bondage that God wants you in the power of the Holy Spirit to conquer. There are some things that, have, have, that have, are like tentacles that the enemy has held on. So just about the time you want to prosper, it pulls you back down. God wants you in the name of Jesus to conquer that thing. Some of you have a desire for God and a de desire to be in the heart of what God is doing. But you counted yourself out because you didn't think you were worthy because of your lifestyle because of your private lifestyle, because of your private stash. Come on, talk to me, saints. Because, because behind closed doors, everybody knows behind closed doors, you're not what you appear to be in open doors. God wants that thing to fall. He wants that, that place in your city to crumble down in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I gotta tell you that Joshua's key to the conquest of the whole land was given to him in Jericho. What is the key, Joshua? Well, this first city that we take, which is so incredible, we are not gonna consume any of this for ourselves. We are going to offer this to the Lord. Every bit of it. And then Joshua says at the end of this, any man who rebuilds this city will be cursed with the loss of his first and his last son. What? No, it's in there. I'm serious. And guess what? 500 years later, 500 years later, this bro think he going to rebuild the city. And guess what? He lost his first son and he lost his last son. It's recorded in history. God honored his words. What are you going to put under the band to be sure that you get everything? What are you going to pronounce as holy unto God but off limits to you? I'm not going to consume this. This is destined for destruction. So what God does, he gets Rahab, by the way. Rahab, she's bad.
No, really, she is absolutely incredible because the spies didn't know that they were saving David's great-grandmother. Turn, talk, talk to your neighbor, talk to your neighbor. They were saving David's great-grandmother. Oh, she was a hoe, but hey, 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 God was setting her up to be eternal, amen. She didn't know that her great-grandson was going to sit on the throne. Hello, somebody. You, you know what's so awesome about this? She didn't know that the lineage of Christ himself would come out. Lord, have mercy. Don't tell me God can't do something great with your life. Because if you dedicate yourself to God, I promise you, God will put you in the lineage of greatness that is already written down in his book. You'll get to participate in that because it's in Christ. It's amazing. Lift your hands to God. Lift your hands to God. At the beginning of every conquest, at the beginning of every conquest, man, sometimes it looks impossible. I know I got a story inside of a story, but some of you are facing some stuff that you don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, I'm telling you today, use, use Joshua's principle. Actually, it's the Father's principle. When God looked at the world and he saw that it was totally corrupt, he decided to plant his best seed, his first seed. The way I'm going to redeem this thing, the way I'm turning everything around, I'm going to take Jesus, the Son of God, and I'm going to plant him as a first fruit into the ground. And he will guarantee that many sons are coming. Clap your hands if you're hearing what I'm saying to you. Oh, yeah! I am part of that first fruit in my generation. Yes, I am. Tell your neighbor, I am. Say, I am that first fruit in my generation. Now, the next generation, you're going to have to deal with. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for those, Lord, that are really struggling and just hoping to hear. I thank you, Lord, for putting them under the ban, dedicating them for your use. Destruction to the world, but dedication unto you. Sanctify their lives and make them precious. Make them fruitful. Thank you, Father, for the power of God that rests on every soul that says, oh Lord, like Rahab, swear to me. When judgment comes, swear to me that you, I will find favor, that grace will pass over me. Let salvation come to your house today. No matter how bad it's been, I call you in the name of Jesus. No matter how difficult it's been, you might have, you might have been altered 10 times. You may have never in your life known that God was watching and saving you while you were yet in your sin and calling you to himself. And you may be the first fruit of your family. Frankly, the way God has put leaders in this house, I wouldn't even doubt it. 
Raise your hand if you're firstborn. Raise your hand if you're firstborn. And keep it up and look around. Raise your hand. I'm your firstborn in your family. This blows my mind every time I see it. I wouldn't be surprised at all if God had brought you to this place that you might experience this blessing. In the name of Jesus, quickly now, quickly respond. I want you to come down. I don't want to spend a lot of time with this, but I want.